Welcome, guys and gals, to the Man Talk Show. I'm Connor Beaton, the host and founder of Man Talks. Man Talks brings together some of the best thought leaders, teachers, and extraordinary individuals to help teach and mentor you on how to be a top performer in life, love, and business. And joining me today on that front is Mr. Ajit Nawalka. And uh, Ajit has done some absolutely incredible things. Uh, he was uh, the CEO of Mind Valley, if you've ever heard of that company, which which I'll explain in a bit, um, and he's done some some incredible, incredible things in the entrepreneurship space, in the coaching space. He knows a ton about business. So, just a little bit of background on him before I dive into those logistics. He he comes from very humble beginnings. He was born into a middle middle income family in Jaipur. Uh, he he grew up with an extended family, and this is not a, a, a joke. He grew up with an extended family of 23 other people under the same roof. Wow. I, I had like five, I had four siblings, and I can't imagine 23 of my family members being under the same roof. That's, yeah, it's crazy. Um, so as you can imagine, space and money were were pretty scarce. And as a little, as a little kid, he found himself dreaming quite a bit about abundance. So he eventually made the decision to to plant himself where he could begin to grow, to to cultivate himself as an entrepreneur. And uh, so he started off in the, as a trainee in the nonprofit world and slowly worked his way up uh, through various roles. And that eventually leaded, led him, leaded him, that's not a real word, led him <laughs> to to becoming the CEO of Mind Valley, the co-founder of Mind Valley Teach. Uh, co-founder of Global Grit Institute and the co-founder of Epic Businesses, uh, and he's also the author of a best-selling book called "The Book of Coaching," and is has a book coming out later on this year called "Live Big," which we dive into a little bit because it is specifically uh, around the entrepreneurial landscape and 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 we we actually dive into some interesting topics here. You know, I I really wanted to have Ajit on because he has a really fierce. Uh, business and entrepreneurial mindset and really understands generating abundance and and how one can run a business and different perspectives and and uh, how how not to just like spend every waking minute of your day working but how to design a life in such a way where you can work the 40 50 hour a week from anywhere in the world and really live the type of lifestyle that you want and it's not just preaching something that he's not doing it really is something that he has helped hundreds and if not thousands of people figure out how to do. So he really understands this. We also talk about something really important to me and to him, which is mental health. And we address some of the challenges that a lot of entrepreneurs face. Uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a little known fact that m- the majority of entrepreneurs, something like half of entrepreneurs identify as having a mental health disorder whether that's depression or or anxiety or ADHD, uh, whatever that might be. So we dive into that and, and why entrepreneurial anxiety is a very real thing. So lots of great conversation in here. Just before I bring Ajit on, I just want to remind uh, all the guys that are out there listening to this, head on over to Facebook, join the Man Talks community. It's really, really solid. It's growing every single day. Uh, we've got a few challenges going on right now from no porn. We've got some fitness challenges coming up here. Um, so definitely head on over there and, and join up on that. And if you want to go really deep, if you want to do some work uh, with me and with a small tactical group of men who are committed to getting better results in their life, who are who are committed to living their best versions, then definitely check out the Alliance. It's something that is four months long. It's a program that's four months long that I have designed 
Uh, and, and I'm really, really excited. The last group has had some amazing, amazing results. So head on over to mantalks.com and check out the Alliance if that sounds like something for you. And last but not least, don't forget to man it forward. If you enjoyed this podcast episode or any of the other ones, please man it forward. Huge shout out to everybody that has been sharing it lately. I greatly appreciate you. And I've been doing my best to give you shout outs on social media for the love. So without any further delay or ado, please welcome Ajit. I am so excited to be here. Yeah, man. I mean, it's, you know, it's been really interesting because I've seen your work probably for poof, almost like the better part of a decade now and and uh, seeing some of the work that you've been doing through Mindvalley and just some of the other platforms that you've been on. So it, it really is a, a treat to have you on the show. And and I've, I've heard some really great things about you from from people in my circle. So it's it's wonderful to have you on the show. Oh, I'm so excited to be here, Connor. Wonderful. So let's let's just dive straight in to the question. Uh, the the audience loves this question because it really gives them some insight into into who you are. So tell us this a story about a defining moment that has made you who you are today. So I'll, I'll start with a little backstory so you can understand where I was coming from uh, when I reached that moment and what that moment really means. Uh, so I grew up in a small city in, in India uh, with about 20 million people. So it's small in India, uh, but it's it's called Jaipur, <laughs> close to New Delhi. It's uh, it's the the palaces, the colors, the the beautiful dresses, the elephants on the street, all that uh, that you imagine off India happens in that city. So it's a beautiful place to live. But the way I grew up was in a in a house of about 22 other people. Um, these were cousins, extended family members, uh, cousins of my grandfather, and you know, like whole like the entire family lived together. And when 23 people try to share a house, it is, uh, it's not a lot of abundance in context of space and, and just, just also not abundance in context of just, just how wealthily you live or comfortable you live, if I may. Uh, and so I grew up like that. I grew up in a house with so many people. And so life in my, in my life as I was growing up, my priorities through different events and through different experiences uh, became that I, I needed to be abundant and more importantly, abundant in context of space uh, for myself. So so that became my primary driver very early in life. In my teens, I already started to try to figure out how I can create a life which has abundance, which has the joys that I want in life. And, and how do I, how do I, how do I get to that stage from where I was? Um, and again, like from the place that I was coming in, it wasn't that I was a brilliant kid or I had a great chance at education. I was an average kid uh, who just really wanted to do something great, at least wanted to be comfortable in his life. So so that, that got me started early on. At, at 18, I was already working part-time jobs. I was already working with uh, with organizations that can develop my talent and that can help me realize who I am. I was learning really hard. Um, and that got me introduced to this company called Mindvalley, the one that you just talked about as as you were introducing me. Um, I joined about a decade ago as an intern in that company. And and as I was interning for about a year and a half with them, uh, I quickly progressed to an area where, where I was, from an intern, I became a, a business manager, uh, where I was handling a particular business in the company, which made me realize that I really enjoy actually being in charge of, of businesses. I like that risk. I like that uh, that 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 uh, that you know constant fluctuation of knowing what 
what's going to happen, what's not going to happen, you know, that type of scenario. So I quit the company and I started my companies. And as I started my companies, I also realized that the the challenge of building a business within a company versus challenge of building a business outside of a company, outside of an ecosystem are two completely different worlds. It gave me different education completely, but it also gave me an understanding of why collaboration is so important in, in today's world, right? I sold my companies to Mind Valley, some of them, and, and that got me to become a partner in, in the company, uh, Mind Valley. And for the past five, six years, we've started many companies together. I've sold a few of them. I have a partner on several others, finally to come into a mode where right now we're partners in a major company called Mind Valley Teach, which is represented on a domain called evacoach.com that focuses on coaches. Now, my breakthrough moment happened when during the course of my engagement as being part of Mind Valley, not just only as a co-founder, but as as a person that was working in the ecosystem. As I quit the company, I came back, sold some of these companies, and I started working within the ecosystem of Mind Valley. So I became the CTO of the company one, CMO, project manager, launch manager, and eventually leading it all up to becoming the CEO of the company. So I was here about three years ago, and uh, this was the year that was where I've had tremendous amount of success uh, in traditional sense, and also tr- tremendous amount of realization in in conversations that we usually don't have as entrepreneurs and as leaders of different organizations. And that kind of leads me to my defining moment. So what was happening is CEO was my ultimate goal. You know, how you always set out those uh, bucket lists and, and goals and things that you dream of on a, on a daily basis. You put it on a vision board and you say, I got to be that person. I got to get that title. I got to build a business that does this much revenue. I got to build a tribe that is this big. That kind of, kind of situation, CEO of Mind Valley was number one item on that list for me. And as I was playing the role, my dream role, if you would think from the outside, I realized that I was internally really, really miserable. My my health was suffering. My relationships collapsed uh, at that time. My relationship with my family was collapsing slowly. And eventually, I realized that I was doing this because it was the right thing to do. Right thing to do, not because it was the right thing to do from my perspective, but because that's what is the right thing to do considering what the world tells you, right? You'd play the game, you play the roles, and eventually you get to the top of the brass, right? That's what I did. I, I played the game, I made, I worked real hard, and I got to a destination that should have been the destination that was of absolute joy. Now, Mind Valley is a beautiful company, and there is no, no doubt it's one of the best cultures that a person can work for. But when not in alignment, when not in, in agreement with what you're doing, it can be really stressful irrespective of how beautiful your tribe or community is. That's when I realized that that most of us, definitely I was at that time, live a, a life where we want to fulfill dreams that are designed based on what the society tells us. We live the dreams that the world thinks we should achieve. Uh, we define success as the way the world defines success. It ties to how much money you have, how much name you have got, what celebrity status you have, who you're hanging out with. And, and that destination, often, once you get there, it's hard to step away from. But when you get there, often it happens that you have this constant state of anxiety and fear and not enoughness. And you're not really joyful and happy in that place. And often we avoid it. We, we kind of fill that void of, of emptiness that 
is accompanied because it was not purposeful where you actually achieve the destination because the destination wasn't truly defined by you. What happens is there's a tremendous amount of void that comes. And we start as entrepreneurs, especially entrepreneurs, business uh, professionals and, and professionals, generally high performing professionals tend to fill that void with tremendous amount of work. They just work twice as hard. And the dialogue becomes, well, that's how you get somewhere. And that's how you stay somewhere as you work your ass off. Um, and, and that, that seems right. It seems like, oh, of course, that's, that's what it should be, right? The world should work that way. We should be working really like crazy people. That's what success is all about. But is it really? Is it really? Is the work really about going to that destination and working twice as hard? Was that the reason why you started the company so you could work 10 times harder than when you started the company? If the answer is no, it's a good time to evaluate. Why the heck are you doing what you're doing? And that was my realization. I was like, I was doing something that should have made me really, really happy, but I was not. And it made no sense because I couldn't have thought of any other company that could be better than Mind Valley in context, especially how our teams are and how the culture is and so forth. So I should have been super happy, super excited every single day, but I was not because I was out of alignment. I was out of understanding that, yes, there is different stages of life and you will create that progress. But on a daily basis, if you're not in a state of joy, if you're not in a state of flow, the stages don't progress as effectively. And even if the stages do, you end up being miserable, even when you are reaching a destination or are at a destination that idly was supposed to give you tremendous amount of joy, tremendous amount of joy and happiness. Mm. Yeah. I mean, really, I, it's so interesting listening to your story because I think it's there's a, there's a few things that really stand out for me. You know, one, it seems to be a journey and a, and a sort of arc while the details are different for everybody. It does seem to be this journey that a lot of people, this trap that people fall into. And I think that we oftentimes look at certain organizations and certain companies, especially within specific industries, and and think that same trap must not happen to them. You know, especially in an industry like Mind Valley, you know, sort of dabbles in the in the self-help and the personal growth industry. And so I think there's a perception that those types of people can't fall into this trap. And it's interesting because recently I, I interviewed a guy named Brian Keating who is an astrophysicist who was nominated for uh, the Nobel Prize for, for physics. And he talks about his journey, about how he got into science and, you know, started becoming an astrophysicist. And his, his whole goal around his career was just to win the Nobel Prize. And that was it. And, and when, he, when he didn't win it, it was like this sort of, not, not just like this crippling moment, but also it started to really have him question why he was doing what he was doing and start to question how much he'd actually sacrificed just for that one goal, just for that one result. And, and I think it's interesting because so many entrepreneurs do fall into this trap around having some specific goal, whether it's, you know, being a millionaire or uh, selling their company off or getting their company to a certain place or winning some accolade or award. And they sacrifice so much in order to get there because that's sort of like the dream that, that they've bought into, especially now in, in this place in our culture where entrepreneurship is like, you know, on the, uh, almost on par with like rock star status, you know, guys like Gary V are like the new Steve Tyler's of the world. And so how do like, where do we even start? I'm so curious because you have so much, uh, you have so much experience in this and you've worked with some of the best and brightest thought leaders in the world. And so 
what conversations do we need to start with to, to, to sort of create not balance, but to start to kind of move in a different direction? So firstly, I want to kind of bring that to notice that even the best rock star entrepreneurs, the, the individuals that are teaching a lot of personal develop, development or, or entrepreneurs that seem to have it all together are still working on it as well. So that's something mm -hmm. that often it, it kind of, uh, you know, like I, I find newer entrepreneurs especially feel like, oh, the, the person that is ahead of me must have it all together. Uh, and mm -hmm. it's not, and there is nothing wrong about that as well to, to be on a journey, to be able to constantly search as to what is the truest meaning, what is the truest alignment and constantly work towards it because that's how you create a beautiful life. And that's what is as much as is, is something that aligns you more and more towards joy. You also need to have certain level of challenge for your joy to continue to sustain. And we'll talk about that in just a second, but I just want to make sure that everybody that is listening is is careful to watch and know that it's not that they are behind the curve if they if they haven't got it together yet because that is fine and everybody is even if they feel like it feels like that they're ahead of the curve or ahead in the journey from you uh, it doesn't mean that they have everything together they are also working on it as you will be working on it now how do or what to really do to be able to find more and more alignment there there are three philosophies that i want to talk about on that and everybody needs to find their own space while i discuss these philosophies right so firstly is one needs to understand the concept of flow and concept of flow is is something that that was uh, i think most importantly or most recently discussed by mihlai chiksamilhai if I said his name right right now, yeah. uh, and then it was discussed by Stephen Kotler recently in his book, uh, Stealing Fire as well. Uh, the concept of flow is, is basically when a person is in a state of almost, you can call it bliss-like state, a state where you're fully present in your body, you're in a state of joy, and, and you're able to produce your best work, right? And more you can be in a state of flow, the better it is in context of how you experience life because you are always in a state of joy in a way, right? But joy is not always about happiness alone. It is about a balance of saying uh, you have something that you're aspiring to while staying happy in the present in a way, right? So let me explain this in a little bit different context and how uh, these philosophers explain it. They say that you want to be in a state of constantly being in a place of a little bit of a challenge, but having skills that don't fully, that are not fully developed to make sure that you can do the challenge easily, but you're not so underskilled that the challenge is overwhelming to you. So it's kind of a fine balance between saying, hey, I have enough skill and my challenge is a little bit further than my skill level that I have. So what I can do is I constantly upgrade my skills. And because I have a challenge, I stay excited. So being happy or being joyful has, has as much to do with enjoying your work, but also to be able to stay challenged because that's what gets you to enjoy more work, right? So you never want to take a task that is actually under your caliber. You want to always take a task and a challenge that is a, that is a little bit ahead of what's, what you feel is possible for you or your skill level can do. And so what happens because of that is you're constantly in a state of certain level of challenge, putting you in a state of flow. So that's kind of the summary of of, of really thick books that explain and have done deep research on the concept of flow. But firstly, that's the first thing that as, as philosophically, one needs to understand to be able to get a full grasp on what really is needed in today's entrepreneurial world 
to not just think about working hard is the only way or working your working so hard that you work yourself to death is the only way because that's 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 something that's no good to anybody as an entrepreneur you are only valuable to the society because of your good work uh if you get sick in the process if you if you lose you in the process that's not good for your family that's not good for the society we will miss out on the great work that you can create so it's very important for an entrepreneur to understand that yes their work is very important but so are they so they have to find that balance so flow is first philosophical concept that if you understand as an entrepreneur you kind of go okay so sometimes what might be what entrepreneurs tend to do is they would take up a challenge that doesn't match their skill it's way ahead of them mm-hmm. and that causes frustration puts you in a state of anxiety and put in, puts you in a state of frustration all the time so you always feel like you need to do more to be able to get to a place that is challenge that that you put yourself and and are comparing yourself to because that's a self-imposed challenge. Nobody else gives you a challenge. You give yourself a challenge and that creates a frustration which is not good for your state of flow. You are actually producing less quality work because you're frustrated and anxious because your challenge is too too further, too much further than where your skill level is today. Right? So that's the first concept. The second concept that one needs to understand is the concept of states and stages. Every business goes through stages and everybody understands that. Everybody understands, yes, I'll first generate a couple of hundred thousand dollars, then a couple of million dollars, then further million, further million, and going on to billions of dollars, right? These are stages of business. Everybody gets it. Everybody, all right, this stage of business, I need to generate this much revenue, these many team members, so on and so forth. Very strategic, very right when you can understand that it's not it's not, uh, and there's a lot of education around the stages too. It's like, oh, if you're at a million dollars, do this, do that, hire these many people, do this, do that. This should be a profitability percentage and so on and so forth. The problem is stages is something that happens over a period of time, right? So the first year would look like something, second year would look like something, and you'll move through stages and any good entrepreneur can, if, if, they, if they continue the path, they will go to the next stage, right? The thing that happens on a daily basis, on an hourly basis, for an entrepreneur is states. You get into the state of happiness, joy, anxiety on a on an hourly, on a couple of minutes basis sometimes an email can can put you in a state of anxiety, right? So, so states is something that's happening all the time. And states is what you being able to maintain a state of joy, you being able to maintain a state of flow, you being able to maintain a state of positive uh, momentum creates the movement towards stages much better and also creates a balance in your life because now you're not thinking about oh well, how do i get to my next stage only you're thinking about okay how do i stay stay in the state of flow today how do i stay in, stay in the flow state right now and so you create processes around it so you can actually stay in a positive state all the time or as much as you possibly can and the more times you're in a positive state you move through stages much faster the more you are in a positive state or a state that is empowering for you, the better it is for your health, for your family, for your relationships, for your business, for your employees, for all of that. Is that making sense, Connor? Yeah, absolutely. Well, and, and I think that what you're describing in many ways is like one of the major challenges that a lot of entrepreneurs face, right? Like uh, one of the biggest thing, like when I'm working with guys that are running their own companies, one of the biggest challenges that they often face is is the word consistency. And it sounds like this this piece, the, these sort of two pieces, flow and then states and stages, 
is is really talking about how people find positive consistency uh, in in their life. Because one of the challenges that I see a lot, a lot of entrepreneurs face is, is like these troughs and or these peaks and valleys. You know, they sort of they ride high, they hustle hard. And they just, they, you know, in the words of Gary Vee, they crush it and they, they hustle, 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 hustle. And then they, they start to feel like they're burning out. Their productivity goes down, their state goes down, uh, and then they can't maintain the stage that they're at because they've set it too high. So I would love to, I would love to just back it up to flow a little bit because I think that that topic is something that a lot of people are very interested in and get your perspective around what are some of the pieces that block that flow, because I would imagine that that plays into both these states and stages and, and, the, and the flow state. What are some of the blocks that we face? The most common thing that throws a person out of flow, especially in context of entrepreneurs, is, is, the, is what is the determinant of success for the entrepreneur. So here's what happens, right? A lot of times what would happen is as an entrepreneur, you would go to an event sometimes, or you will read up on blogs or listening to a podcast like this, and you would go, hey, so that entrepreneur is doing $5 million in sales in the first year of their business. I got to get there, right? So, so what happens with that, uh, with that measure is you're setting yourself up to a measure of success that is determined by somebody else's success and how they define success, right? Usually, entrepreneurs tend to do that. They tend to, and not just entrepreneurs, actually all human beings tend to do that. We tend to set success determinant based on what, somebody else has defined their success determinant. For example, is $5 million business uh, a successful business or a $50 million or a $500 million or a $5 billion company, right? All of them are successful in their own regard and context of the entrepreneur and their drive. But mm -hmm. what, ha what tends to happen is as an entrepreneur, you start to look at the future or start to look at somebody else even worse and start to get frustrated in today's moment because you set yourself up you, you almost, it's almost like you set yourself up for failure before you even got started because you've set yourself to, to somebody else's standard, first of all, because it's like, it's not, you didn't decide to be a five fifty five hundred million dollar company, right? You decided to be an entrepreneur and live the passion, the purpose that you just defined for yourself, right? And so let's go for that. But instead of that, what would happen is the entrepreneur will go and look at somebody else and start to compare themselves towards that. That throws them off immediately because it drops you immediately in a place of competition. Competition mm. can be a positive force, but usually becomes a very negative force because sometimes you forget everything else about life, but accept the competition that you have. And that puts you <laughs> and throws you in a state of anxiety, fear, frustration. Frustration is huge. Uh, and of course, that causes sleepless nights and, you know, the whole shenanigan, like any entrepreneur that is listening to it. <laughs> suffered through that and so you could relate it immediately like oh my god you're so right right oh my god yes i did not sleep last night because i heard this and now i feel like i am not doing enough and blah 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 right it's all that kind of stuff that throws you off completely right the second thing that happens is what we do is we put a um it's almost like a, you know how when when you start a year people have goals and entrepreneurs also have a goal right you're like all right i will grow my company by 200 percent this year right Yes, that's what I'm going to do. I'll put this black stuff in the, at the end of December 2018 or whatever year they are, they are, they are creating their uh, goals for. I'll go 200% growth, 100% growth, 500% growth. I'll have 50,000 new customers this year, right? Insane amount of goals every single time for, for on 12-month on basis, right? 
the thing that is that that happens the moment you do that and you think only in a cycle of a year is firstly you always overestimate what you can do in a year you just it's just by human nature you you would see that if I, if you just move that post to 3 years you would actually be able to achieve it but if you move it at just a year mark usually you get very it's very hard to actually achieve the goal that you put now the second thing that happens is we start to compare ourselves to that goal that we have put by the end of the year right so we are almost trying to say that I will compare myself to what I don't know enough about, which is the future, right? Future, anything can happen tomorrow, right? We don't have any control on that. We don't have any, what we can only work on is present, is today, right? But we create our reality or we judge ourselves even worse based on uh, what the future we want to be looking at, right? And that future is completely arbitrary because I could say you could grow a company by 500% next year. You could say I will grow the company by 30% next year. Both of them are arbitrary. There is no, uh, nobody can scientifically say this is what will happen because that's future. Anything can change. Economy can change, right? Anything can change, right? So, but what happens is because we compare ourselves to that, we start to feel small today. We start to feel frustrated today. We start to feel anxious today. We start to get again sleepless nights because like, I'm not moving towards my goal. Instead of saying, hey, yes, that is my goal. That is my vision, my 10-year vision, which is further out in the world. Let's get inspired by that. We start to get frustrated by the immediate future, the, the dopamine hit that we want on a daily basis of increasing revenue. What if we change the dialogue and we said, hey, here is my 10-year vision. Here's the, the future-focused me who's saying this is where I will be in 10 years because it's a lot more exciting. It's a lot bigger, actually, if you think 10 years later, your vision for you 10 years from now is way greater than what your vision is for one year from now, 100%. 100%. The version of you is better. The, the business that you're running is better. Your reality with your clients is better. That being said, like if we, if we actually could change the dialogue from saying uh, a year goal to instead of that, move the, move, the, move the mark to three years or 10 years, and then go how far we've come as of now, that will put you in a state of gratefulness. It will put you in a, a state of gratitude because you've always had a journey that is beautiful because that's where you are today. You have come through hardships. You have built a business. You're starting to build a business. You have created progress in life. You have uh, become a high-performing individual, whatever that is. But you came from a place and you got where you are. It puts us in a state of gratefulness right now, in the place of gratitude right now. And then there's a beautiful vision that you have of the future, three years, 10 years ahead of time, that also drives you and pulls you forward. A beautiful state of flow happens because of that, because you're grateful today and you're excited about what's going to happen in the future. You're excited. You're looking forward to it. And it's still challenging because 10 years from now, what version of you is going to be is going to be challenging, but it's going to be fun. It's not going to be anxious. It's going to put you in a state of, oh, I have this much time also to become that person that I want to be 10 years from now. Mm. Yeah, I like that because, you know, one of the questions that I was going to going to ask and going to bring up was, you know, one of the things that we were talking about before was people chasing other people's versions of success. Right. So all the people that sort of idolize the, the Gary V's and the Grant Cardone's and the Steve Jobs chasing their version of success without having, you know, fully identified their own. And what I hear you sort of saying is, is to be able to uh, start to define 
the timeline around that success and some of the components of that success. So how does one, whether they're a professional working for a company or they're an entrepreneur, I guess specifically within the realm of entrepreneurship, how does somebody start to practically uh, look at how they can define success without having it be too influenced by some of their idols? Because I think that that a lot of entrepreneurs get into the business because they've seen somebody's lifestyle, they've seen somebody's accomplishments, and they're drawn towards that in some capacity, whether it's, you know, their their parents or one of their idols, and they, and they move into that space, and they're immediately impacted and influenced by what other people have created. So how do we start to define our own versions of success? Because it sounds like that's the building blocks of what you were alluding to before. So first thing that one must think about is whatever version of you know of Gary Vee or Grant Cardone or Steve Jobs or whoever is your ideal entrepreneur, you only know what they want you to know. You don't really know them. You don't really know what drives them. You don't know what they really do on a daily basis. Because what do you see? You see a 30-second clip, three-minute clip of Gary Vaynerchuk out of his 24-hour day, right? I mean, it's not, who knows what he's really doing in his day. Right. So firstly, the story that we tell ourselves is this is how they live every second and breathe every second of their lives. Maybe they do. Maybe they don't. Maybe they have a completely different reality. Often I've met so many very successful entrepreneurs, people who have a particular persona and, and there's a particular reality that people may think that they have. And when you meet them behind the curtain, behind the scenes, when they have, they have their cape off in a way, they're very different people. And it's not that they're trying to be different people in front of you and behind you. It's mostly because, well, there is a time when they're steam, like they're going full throttle, they're going steamrolling and they're going, yay, I got I to gotta cheer everybody on. And then there's a time where they need to wind down and just take some time for themselves. So first of all, entrepreneurs or people that you idolize a lot of times are not really exactly what you think they are. They might be parts of them are like how you think they are. And there are a lot of parts of them that you don't have no clue. You are looking at what is visible on the outside. You are not seeing what's actually going on inside for them, right? So just be mindful of that is what my first recommendation is when you're getting inspired by the people. Now, being inspired by somebody else is not, is not wrong. It's, it's okay to be inspired. But be inspired in the context of saying, hey, what are the elements that I like and what is not in alignment with me? And you pick those. You take the element that you like and they were away with the things that you don't enjoy and don't like, and that's fine. So being inspired has nothing wrong, but always be mindful that when you're being inspired by somebody, you're only seeing a small segment of their entire life, and you're being inspired by that segment. It doesn't mean that's their life. So don't try to make their three minutes your 24 hours, because that's their three minutes, not their 24 hours. So just be careful of that when you're taking inspiration from somebody. Now, coming to how do you really find what is your alignment and what is it that really should be, could be your possible future, right? So I, I usually, and this was the third element that I wanted to discuss anyways, I usually say, and usually if you do the work around these three categories, you should be able to not only find your alignment, but find a path that will lead you to your aligned future that will actually give you more satisfaction and joy and bliss in everyday basis. So first element is passion. What are you passionate about? And passion is something that often is discussed a lot, but nobody really actually takes the time to ask the deep question of really saying, what am I passionate about? Sometimes people will have many passions and that's okay too. You just pick one and you run with it. 
first passion. And then let's say if it works out as a business, great. If it doesn't work out as a business, well, you pick your second passion and then you run with that. And you see if that works. If it doesn't work, you pick your third passion because all of us as human beings are multi-passionate. You're not excited about one thing, excited about many things. And just pick one though to get started with. And passion is, is something that you discover by looking at your life internally and going, hey, what is it that I really like forget about? You know, like I forget about time, that type of context. It's like, I forget about time when I'm working on this thing. Like, for example, it's writing for me. I love writing. I can, I can write for hours and I forget about time at all completely. I could be writing in the day. I could be writing in the night. I just love writing. So I can, I can write for hours and hours and hours. So I found my passion and I could make a business work around that. And that's awesome. But if I couldn't have made it work around it, I would go to my next passion and the next passion and the next passion till the time I figured out what's, what is it that will really create a business or what is what creates a successful business around it, right? The second is having a purpose. And we, we don't talk about purpose as often because mostly as entrepreneurs, when we start uh, the companies, we mostly talk about, hey, the purpose is to make money. Right to make more money, and that's that's really what it is. And to get the fancy car and the and the and the flights and the planes and whatever that is, that is the, your purpose in context of your reality. But really, if you if you think about yourself as a human being, and we really go deep within us, uh, when we are looking and when we when we classify and when we are looking at money as our purpose, most of the time it's because our internal need of being recognized is really coming up. Our internal need of being accepted is what is coming up. And you could be doing that through many different ways. And you could be doing very different purposeful activities. And if you can find that alignment that goes beyond just understanding a money, but actually understanding what is it that you really want, right? I mean, what does that money thing really mean for you? What is that purpose really that it serves for you internally and for the society, if you can have one, if you have one? Most of us have one, but it takes a different stage in life to really be able to recognize that. Uh, because after once you've made a little bit of money and you've found that, number that really makes you happy and you can make that easily you kind of go hey this wasn't this hard and this doesn't really give me joy and and i'm speaking to uh to the tribe which may or may not understand that because it does take that effort and time to actually get to that stage where your money is not a problem for you and then you realize well i was only making the money because i was living in that scarcity mindset and i was living in that place where i needed the recognition and so on and so forth but as you get to that stage where money is not a problem you start to start to think about money in a very different way and your purpose becomes much different. Your purpose becomes more in alignment of saying, okay, what is it that I want to do as a larger community, as one tribe, as, as one being? And, and you will find your purpose, uh, but you need to constantly be on a search for it, right? So first is find your passion and, and find that passion and nail it down and try to make it work. If it doesn't work, find the next one and that's okay. Second is to have a purpose, have, have some meaningful thing that you are really aspiring to. And it's okay if you start with money being your sole purpose. Uh, just know that always be mindful. Why do you need that money? And where is that need coming from really? Right. And lastly is practicality, which is, which is kind of a little bit counter to when I say passion, because a lot of times we would find passions that are not practical. They're not practical in context of the, can they, can they take care of the bills? It's not practical in context of the technology not being there for it. The, the practicality can fail at many different points, right? So you got to find something that is also very practical. And if you can find the balance of these three, passion, purpose, and practicality, most likely you can create a business and a life that is very much in alignment with where you want to go. And it has very little to do with what everybody else is saying or everybody else wants to go. So 
So that's kind of how I would suggest one go towards finding what is it that they really want and always be asking those questions to ourselves, which I think is something that, that it's, it's, a, it's not a very practiced art to, to just simply sit in, in patience and say, hey, what do I really want and why do I really want this? Mm. And, and to be able to sit in, in patience for that answer and be able to inquire that for ourselves deeply is, is not something that we practice often, but if we can, we definitely can find a greater path to joy. Yeah, yeah, I, I love it. You know, I think I think one of the things that's extremely valuable in what you just talked about is the practicality. And you know, in in this age where the entrepreneur and and the high performing professionals are really coveted and and sort of pedestaled a little bit, um, practicality is often not talked about. And so people start these businesses. Uh, or ventures or endeavors, or they're pursuing something that is completely impractical for their own lives. And what I mean by that is it's not aligned with who they are or even who they really want to be. It's it's sort of like they've bought into this sort of, uh, you know, moonshot and shoot for the moon and, and massive, you know, massive Elon Musk style companies. Like, you're gonna, you should run a billion dollar company. And, and that's not really, uh, practical for who they actually even want to be. So I love that you've pulled that element into it because I think, and I'd love to hear your, your insight on this, but from the really great entrepreneurs that I've seen and worked with and, and, and had the uh, opportunity to learn from and interview, uh, for the most part, the, the entrepreneurs that have a lot of success, it's not sexy. You know, it's like really not a sexy thing. It's, it is more of a practical uh, sort of like mundane thing where they've just put in a ton of work and a ton of, a ton of effort and energy and passion and purpose and, and been consistent with that. And it's not a sexy endeavor. That is very true. If you really think about it, most, most really powerful, successful businesses that you know of there were people, and, and you know of those businesses, are actually businesses that were created by somebody else's entrepreneurial venture. And the really popular people that you know, or famous people that you know, be it Steve Jobs or be it Elon Musk, they were improvers. These are people who took an idea and said, hey, this idea is great. Somebody has built a base technology on it. Let me just transform that and create a powerful business around it. By consistency, which is one of the key factors, right? Apple didn't design the iPhone. I mean, it did design the iPhone. Sorry, I apologize for that. But the smartphone didn't come from the Apple, right? It came from somebody else. And then it was evolved to become the iPhone by by Steve Jobs. Same as for Elon. He didn't develop the first electric car ever. He was the one who evolved it. He took a concept and he said, it can be powerful. Uh, so, so usually all successful, really successful entrepreneurs are the biggest thing that they have is honestly consistency. Some of them work really hard, but a lot of them, it's, so I want to kind of touch on that. Work really hard is not how they've built the company. They've built a team that works really hard is how they've built the company. Nobody, nobody as an entrepreneur alone can pull it off. And if any entrepreneurs tell you that, they probably are just being too egotistical about themselves, right? No entrepreneur will ever say, I did it all by myself. They didn't. They did work, Yes but they also build a solid team around it, right? So that team is what consistently worked with them to be able to create the business that they have created. And you gotta be mindful of that. Working hard is, is, is a great story to tell. It's a great story to tell. It's very exciting when somebody says, oh, I slogged so many hours for this. And yes, when you start a business, you will be slogging. Yes, that is true. 
But if you want to grow a business, if you want to really build a solid company, stop, stop trying to work hard your way to building a company. You have to be smarter than that. You have to be smarter in context of saying, hey, I got to build a team. I got to build a product that really is wonderful. I need to do things that actually, I need to build systems that actually can scale. It's not about how many hours you put in the work, it's the quality of hours that you put in the work. And they're hard work in, in the starting, yes, because it's, it's, you know, like it's almost like rocket fuel. When you're taking off a rocket, the, the first, most of the fuel is consumed to take off the rocket from Earth's atmosphere. And after that, there's barely any fuel consumption. Right. And it's kind of like the same logic when it comes to a startup. It's when you're starting, yes, you will be slogging your ass and you'll be working 14 hour days and 16 hour days and whatever that is, it may look like. And yes, you'll not have a life because you started something and it's new and you're figuring it out. But once it gets started and once it's on the ground, if you're working hard and that's how your that's your plan, it's a really bad plan. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree, man. I agree. And, and, you know, I, I want to actually pause. I had a completely different trajectory that I wanted to take the conversation, but I want to pause and actually talk about team dynamics and, and actually building effective teams because I mean, how, how many employees roughly like approximately were you, were you managing at, at Mindvalley? I would imagine it was, it was quite a few. But- about 200. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, you, you sort of have this first hand experience. And when I, I, I spent a few years at Apple actually working with Apple and, and managing quite a few teams and was over overseeing about the same amount of people, a couple hundred people. And, and the, the teams are really the, the important part. So I would love to just get your perspective on, on some of the key components of building really effective teams. Cause I think that's so valuable, whether you're an entrepreneur or whether you're a professional or whether you're part of a team or leading teams, team dynamics are, are so crucial. And uh, I would love to hear from your perspective, what are some of the key components around building effective teams and, and where have you seen people go awry, you know, in, in recent years? So most of the time, the teams fail because entrepreneurs start to hire exclusively for skill instead of attitude. Uh, and that's the cornerstone of a very successful team is the attitude that the team plays with more than the skill levels that they have. They need to be skilled and no way skills are not discounted or anything like that. You need to be a skilled person, but the primary thing always is what's the attitude that you bring to the table. What is your approach towards creating what you create? What's your approach towards your fellow team members, right? What is that dynamic that brings you all together? That's, that's, the, that's the core fundamental of building a, a solid team. Now, to get the right people to show up, the right attitude people to show up for your company and for your organization, you need to build uh, something that is A, actually in alignment with good, uh, because most good people want to work for good companies. Uh, they want to work with people or work, work in companies where there's a positive impact. It's not about war or destruction and so forth. It's about good things. Uh, at least the millennials and the new generation that's coming is more and more aligned with saying, what is the good that is there that they can support? So firstly, you should be doing something good. That's the first thing is what I would think uh, is important. So your vision for the company is something that is solid, is something that is exciting, uh, for your members who, who might be willing to join the company. And second is the ability to keep evolving the culture. Uh, culture starts with the entrepreneur most of the time. Uh, the entrepreneur kind of sets the tone of what the, what the company culture is going to look like. But as the team starts to come in, 
you need to recognize that now the company is almost a different organism completely. And you need to be open to saying, hey, what is the culture looking like right now? And what are the things that are acceptable in the culture? And what are the things that are not acceptable in the culture? Because the vision is going to attract your team members to come to the company. The culture is going to get them to stay, right? So key, and again, I can go for hours. <laughs> you could do a whole podcast just talking about teams. Uh, but And that is true because it is it is a whole science around there. And it's beautiful. And having a great team is so so less talked about only it seems like only the big companies talk about it but it is the the reason for an entrepreneur to become successful without getting completely burnt out like there are way too many entrepreneurs working way too hard getting burnt out because they refuse to to think about the team that they can build to support their journey instead they're trying to go at it at alone because Mm -hmm. that sounds glorious and that's what the story everybody tells but but trust like look at the people that you aspire to become if that's how your drive is, which shouldn't be the case, but let's say that's your drive is, look at what they've done. They've built great teams. That's why they've become great in many different ways. They have had solid people supporting their vision, aligned with their vision. They're creating a culture that allows them to really, really nurture. And they're just hiring great people with great attitudes who want to do good or want to at least be in alignment with what you want to do as an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Even if it's just a fun project, it doesn't doesn't matter. They're in alignment with what you're trying to create. If you're trying to create great joy with a fun little project, they're in alignment with that. They're excited about that. And those are the people that you want to bring on the team. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's so interesting. You know, the thing that you really said there that I've seen in action so many times is, is that idea of hire for attitude and not for skill. And, you know, I've seen a ton of companies that just hire for skill and they attract the wrong cultural people. Um, not from like a cultural background, but from a cultural fit within their organization. And, you know, the the people that are misaligned to their values and their beliefs as a company. And even within Mantox, you know, one of the guys that I brought on, he didn't necessarily have the right skills, but he was so invested. He had such the right attitude that I had faith that he would figure out anything, like any challenge, any any skill set that he needed to learn. And it was so interesting because when when he came into the organization and the company, he started filling gaps that I hadn't even seen by just observing and, and seeing that there was opportunities to learn and then figuring out what he needed to learn in order to fill those gaps. And so that was an attitude, not a skill set. And I, I just, I wanted to like reaffirm that because it's so, so, so true. And then lastly, just because we're wrapping up and we're, we're, you know, getting close on time here, I, I really wanted to touch mm-hmm. on a little bit around mindset, you know, entrepreneurial and, and professional mindset, because one of the things that you have talked about and advocated in the past is this, uh, you know, how to sort of overcome entrepreneurial anxieties. And I think this is so true for for both professionals and entrepreneurs. And so I, I would love for you to just maybe in, in, in a sort of summarize why those anxieties show up and, and how, you know, the listeners can start to move through them. So entrepreneurial anxieties usually happen because of the measure of success that you have most of the time. So I'm, of course, generalizing right now. Everybody has different realities, but generally it is because of the measure of success. What do I mean by measure of success? It's the anxiety comes from what is success for you as a company and what is not success for you. How far you put that baton, how far you put that goals for yourself 
for you to have that anxiety of, of, of around business, right? And a very simple tool, a very simple question for that matter that can change that if you ask yourself frequently and get real honest with yourself. So when we start a business, theoretically at least, we create a business that we are really excited about, right? We're really passionate about that thing. We're really aligned with purpose-wise or hopefully we are aligned purpose-wise and we're definitely passionate about it. If you're passionate about something, how long in life would you like to do it? Usually 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, or at least that's kind of what passion really means, right? You like it so much that you can do it for a lifetime, mm. right? That's what really a passion means, right? So if it's not true for you, then you got to ask yourself, is that really a passion, right? Is that really what you like to do? Or at least 10 years, if not 25 years, right? Ideally, if you pick a passion that is our, and, and a purpose that is aligned for 20, 25 years from now, if, if I ask you the question, hey, do, would you do blank for the next 25 years? Can you stick with this blank, which is the passion that you fill in there for 10 years or 20 years or 25 years? And your answer is, yes, I can. Yes, I can. Your conversation can change completely. Why? Because now your goal is not next year. Your goal is 25 years from now. Mm. You don't have to worry about what happens today because what you're working towards is what happens 25 years from now. Now, 25 years might be too long for somebody to kind of go, 25 years is too long, Ajit. Are you crazy? I don't know what's going to happen in 25 <laughs> years. I hear you. Absolutely. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow too, right? What you want to ask yourself is a question. If 25 is too long, look at 15. Look at 10. Look at five at least. Can you stick with that one passion for five years, right? Five is the lowest I'm saying, right? If you're starting a business and you don't want to do that business five years from now, you better not do that business. I mean, think about it. You're going to put in so much time and effort and energy into it and you don't even do it for five years. That's crazy, right? So you at least want to say five years from now, right? But I would really invite you to really question if you're going to put that much energy in time. Like I said, it's, it's sorry, it's like a rocket. It takes off. Most energy will go in the first three to five years of your business. After that, it'll be a much smoother process or ideally it should be if you played your card right right so if that's the scenario five years you work so hard you better at least reap the rewards for the next five so that puts you already at 10 years from now right so if you're thinking 10 years from now today there will be no anxiety about a bad day because in context of 10 years a day is what not even one percent of the entire time that you're going to spend on that business or invest in that business or grow that business right hopefully if you're honest about this question if you're honest, the first question that being really honest is, can you do blank for the next 25 years or 20 years or 10 years? If you get real honest and you, your answer comes out yes, the first big barrier is taken care of. Now, the second barrier, which is about daily state, which is anxiety that might come. One of the things that might come, fear will come often. Uh, you beat that by going and revisiting your question as many times. Now, again, there's a whole process around it and there could be many different strategies you can use and it changes by person to person. But this simple question of asking yourself, hey, am I excited to do this in 20 years from now, 10 years from now? And then looking at that as your vision and holding yourself accountable to that instead of what, what is happening today will help you not be in that much of an anxious state. And honestly, it'll help you make better decisions as an entrepreneur. A lot more. Yeah, I love it. I love it. And I, and I think it requires a certain amount of like really uh, radical honesty, you know, to be able to to ask yourself that question. And then if the answer is no, to be able to honor that no. Like I think back in my 
past past career in my 20s when I was an opera singer. And there was a very clear time at a point in my career where I was performing in China. And I remember asking myself a similar question where I was like, is this really what I want to do for the rest of my life? Live out a suitcase and, and perform? And and I remember the the answer coming back from my sort of like gut or intuition. And it was like, nope, sure isn't. And I just ignored it. You know, I just like, I didn't want to see that. And maybe I wasn't ready to admit it yet. And maybe it needed some time to actually really arise to the surface and for me to see enough of the evidence in my life for that to be true. Uh, but I, I wanted to share that because I think that you're, you're, you're so bang on on that. And I just wanted to offer that up to the listeners because some people might have that, you know, they're, they're, they're pursuing a passion that's a no for them for the, you know, the 10 or 20 or 25 years. But it's hard to kind of give up on that if you've already put in a couple of years worth of work to that. So um, I just wanted to honor that space. So listen, thank you so, so much for coming on the podcast. This was phenomenal. I really enjoyed this, this conversation. Thank you. Thank you very much for inviting me, Connor. I was, it was super fun to talk about all this stuff. Uh, very rarely do entrepreneurs discuss these ideas and they are critical yeah. for an entrepreneurial success and overall well-being of, of the entrepreneurs the world. I, I agree 100%. And, and, you know, I think I might have to have you back on to talk about team dynamics for, for an hour. Because <laughs> I, I love talking about that because we could, we could get into like communication and everything. So uh, we, might, we might have to do that. So for everybody that's listening, uh, definitely you can head on over and, and pre-order uh, a copy of Ajit's book, which is Live Big, The Entrepreneur's Guide to Passion, Practicality and Purpose. Uh, and clearly, you can hear after this conversation that he knows what he's talking about and has uh, some some really great insight. The book's not out until December 11th, so it's later on this year. So it might be a, a great gift to mark in your calendar uh, for someone who is an entrepreneur or an aspiring entrepreneur to help them sort of get the leg up uh, going into the new year for 2019, which is crazy to even say that that's, you know, what is it, like nine months away, eight months away? Uh, <laughs> it's far away. But um, yeah, so thank you so much for coming on the show. For everybody else that's out there, definitely head on over uh, to iTunes, to Spotify, to YouTube, whatever channel you are listening to us on. Uh, don't forget to subscribe, man it forward, share the podcast with somebody uh, that could use listening to it. It goes a long way. And uh, I just want to say thank you so much for sharing the podcast with your friends, with your family, with your colleagues. And until next week, this is Connor Beaton signing off. Join me next week for another inspiring conversation with another inspiring individual. Mm -hmm.